This podcast is brought to you from our friends at Tinkata Protective Fabrics, Emergency Networking, MagnaGrip, and IFSTA. Everybody, uh, welcome to the Command Show. Uh, we're excited to uh, introduce today's guest, Chief Nick Brown. Uh, and uh, he is somebody who we both admire greatly, who we're excited to have. He's a firefighter's fire chief. Uh, we'll get into his pedigree and background more as we go. Uh, but he's coming to us from Clackamas Fire District in Washington. And um, we're really excited to have him. So thanks for joining us, Chief. And Brian, thanks for uh, coordinating getting the chief on with us today. No, I'm, I'm excited too. I mean, uh, you know, Chief Brown, we got to work with him in Phoenix last year or this year early on at the, the symposium out there. It was great to sit down and have some good discussions with him. And I think uh, one of the great things that uh, Chief brings to the table is being a, a fire district chief in, in, in Clackamas County, uh, second largest fire district in, in Oregon, serving a population of about 250,000 people out of 25 firehouses and about 350 employees. And Really kind of uh, what to talk about today is uh, fire district responses, how he kind of has a uh, everything from urban to the urban interface and careers to volunteer departments um, and just kind of all that that goes along with that. So uh, much like kind of your background, uh, Chief Castros uh, just touches a lot of different incident types and uh, in other agencies and and how he's uh, grown into that role as a fire chief. He promoted the chief in uh, 2021, I believe, uh, after serving as the division chief of operations. So definitely an, an operations background. Uh, Nick's a great guy. He's been teaching around the country for a lot of years and just uh, excited to see how uh, his outside influences have uh, improved uh, internally at, at Clack Fire. So uh, Castros, you got anything else or should we just let Nick Tate. Well, I, I do. I, I want to ask the chief just to confirm. You started before you were the ops. You were training, correct? <laughs> yeah, I was in training. Yeah, okay, so. I, uh, I left the ladder truck uh, to to be a line BC for a little bit, and then and then pulled into training before. So now, coming. now there it is, right there. That's the beauty of you. You don't just have these beautiful blue eyes that <laughs> captivate me. You went from a ladder truck to a line battalion chief to the training chief to the ops yes. chief to now the fire chief. And that's one of the yes. things I wanted to bring home in this particular episode with you, chief, is that, you know, there's a lot of a lot of great people out there, good leaders, good chiefs. But I've, I found that one of the things I appreciate about you the most is you're still you're anchored and your your foundation is in is in the firehouse, it's in, it's on the fire ground, it's, it's providing service and it's taking care of the troops. Not that that's not how all chiefs are, are thinking, but you really have a very tangible, visceral presence of mind about it. It's in everything you talk about, it's in how you carry yourself, it's how you interact with your crews. We had the pleasure of seeing that in Phoenix. Um, and I really believe it's, it's the, the lineage of your career path of having gone from being on a truck company to a line battalion chief, which I think a lot of people pass over that particular rank really quick, moving up in the ranks. They don't really understand that initial level chief and how that's a very operational position. Um, and those roots that you build there carry you. But then having gone to the training division, which really obviously cemented your your priority of training in your career, and then ops, um, I think the, the men and women of your organization, Clackamas Fire District One and the people that you serve are blessed for having have to having you in that position because of the ranks that you've held before. So thanks for joining us. 
Man, I can't thank you enough, both you guys. I mean, like, let's be real. Like, I, I grew up in the fire service watching both of you. So this is a uh, this is an honor for me to even even be here on on this with with you two. Um, I uh, but I, I really appreciate those words, uh, Chief Castro. It's like um, it really you articulated my why, um, and and so I. I I appreciate that, man. I appreciate those words. No, absolutely, brother. Absolutely. And, and one of the things we talk about um, now that we're off and running in this show is the Nash 5. And uh, Brian and I were talking about that this morning. Uh, you know you know how everything is in the fire service. Once something's been out there a while, a new generation of folks or a new group of folks want to throw holes at it or, or sure. uh, debunk it. And, you know, I think it's great that we have a lot of uh, banter, a lot of dialogue, and we challenge each other's assumptions in the fire service. That's what makes us great is, is that. Um, and I just want to be clear about when we talk about the NASH 5, we're not just talking about line of duty deaths. A cause of death can be asphyxiation. It can be getting hit by a car. It can be um, a heart attack. Um, the causal factors are not the actual causes of death. They're just what, what operations lead up to line of duty death, but more importantly, lead up to dysfunctional fire gun operations. And Brian and I wrote an article. What what month did that come out, Brian? Was that last April? I believe so, yeah. Uh, for the FDNC edition. Talking about the, the, the line of duty death issue is just a part of the NASH 5. The NASH 5 is much more than that. It's, it's about communication. It's about accountability. It's about risk assessment. It's about good a good incident command structure using ICS, being ahead of the incident power curve, bridging the tactical gap. It's more than just, oh, this is what's killing firefighters. It's, it's way more than that. And I know that you get that. And one of the things that we always emphasize in this, in this uh, radio show is the importance of that mindset of not just being cognizant of what's hurting our firefighters, but what's hindering them, their ability to do their job, their ability to make a rescue, which I know is near and dear to your heart. And I really want to decide to hear you and Brian talk about that because, um, Man, if there was ever a chief in a department that is kicking butt on the rescue front, uh, it's it's your department. So with that, I'm going to kick it off to Brian Nick, to, to let, uh, fire off some of his questions because I know he's got some good I stuff. I love it. Well, I guess, uh, you know, let's, let's start off with the, the fire district mindset, uh, Chief. So, I mean, uh, any if you uh, followed kind of other people in the fire service, uh, uh, Chief Isaacson out of uh, Escambia County talks about county fire tactics and having to be ready from the urban to the rural setting, um, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, we've, we've obviously worked together, Chief Castros and I with Calm the Chaos, and he does a really good job of trying to apply that across the organizations. But um, about you, as far as uh, serving in that BC role, then the ops chief role, and now the chief of department, how, how do you manage those command expectations for people, uh, you know, from bordering Portland to uh, being out in the rural setting and, and trying to keep a consistent command expectation for your um, line officers, your your command officers uh, in in those different settings. Yeah, that's a great that's a great uh, question, Brian. You know, and, and you hit the nail on the head, right? If you look at if you look at our coverage area and what we respond to, you, you said it well. We're we've we're, we've got sections of our of our organization that are are very urban, into suburban, into uh, uh, farmland, and and um, and forest service, right? And so the tactics um, uh, are different based on where we have fires, right? And and something that that coming into this organization that that was um, kind of frustrating to me a little bit was 
we we almost we have three battalions and we almost had nine different departments in one right so we had no common language uh coming in and so growing up through the fire service it was it took a lot of uh for me um i'm just gonna be brutally raw this isn't because you're on here it's that el camino fire uh that uh chief castros ran was really my first uh glimpse of of how a, a well oiled machine and running an incident, uh, how it should sound, how it should feel. And, and so that as a brand new company officer, that really got ingrained in me, um, in, in what it could be like versus what I was, what I was used to, to be brutally honest. Um, so it, it was really important to me that, that, uh, raising up the next generation of company officers that, that we were all on the same sheet of music. Um, and I'm going to be brutally honest. We're not there yet. Right. Uh, we are, we're, we're, we're striving to be there, but we're, we're still not there, but we are making leaps and bounds, um, every single day. And we'll dive a little bit deeper into this, a little bit of, of that, uh, as we start talking about uh, the outside influences into the organization, but, um, to circle back to your, to your question, Brian, managing those expectations are, are clearly defined. We have fire rescue protocols. And uh, so, so clearly defined policy, right? That it has a crystal clear leader's intent, but also prep preparing our people to go forth and carry, carry out that leader's intent. Um, you know, we are not a micromanaging organization. Um, we, we hire uh, uh, heavy hitters in this organization that we, we trust and that we prepare and that have pride in training and, and are mission focused. And so um, with that expectation, we empower them we set, we set via po policy and, and via leader's intent, um, and then we let them go forth and conquer. Um, now, that being said, uh, it doesn't mean we don't, um, we don't get into the gray area sometimes, right? But uh, we set that clear leader's intent and, and clear expectations with the BCs down to the caps, down to the brand new frontline company officer. And really, it starts at day one coming into the academy in our organization. Seconds count when responding to an emergency. Minutes save count when documenting your day. Emergency networking makes records management easier and faster with its Fire and EMS solution. User-friendly, complete online and offline functionality, highly customizable, all at an affordable price. For more information, please visit emergencynetworking.com. I love that. I, I love that you said that because that is very... Um, obvious in, in seeing you and you talking to your your members how many were in phoenix at the symposium with us earlier this year maybe 10 give or take yeah seemed yeah. like 50 of them but i think it was 10 of yeah. them <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was pretty cool we had a, we had some good representation there well you said i was taking some notes of what you said you know we have some heavy hitters and we we train them to to let them loose and do their thing and you also talked about clear leaders intent yeah when an organization has really good culture to me, culture is def defines how you treat each other and others. Like, how do we treat each other as people and human beings? And how do we treat other human beings around us, whether they be the public or other agencies? And your culture and how you treated each other was so palpable. And everything you just said about hiring heavy hitters and turning them loose to be mission-oriented um, and having clear leaders' intent, I mean, it was exemplified in just that short few days we spent together in, in Phoenix. It really was. It was pretty awesome. I appreciate that, bro. You know, I, I you know, dive in just a little bit deeper into to brush as you know, like my my why and, and what we talked about. I'm, I'm truly a simple person. 
Um, there are three things that are the most important thing to me in my life. And that's, that's faith. That's my faith. Uh, that's my family and that's service. Um, and, and especially the fire service. I truly believe this is a noble cause to leave this world a better place. Uh, Dugan said it in an FDI, DIC speech, um, quoting Kennedy, right? Um, but I, I truly believe that that is, it's, it's a noble cause what we're doing. And, you know, I, I love the team. I love culture. Um, and, and I deeply care about people. And that's the culture that we have here at Clackamas Fire is yeah. we have that deep culture of, of caring caring about what we do and understanding that what we do matters and that time matters. It matters how, how quickly we turn out. Um, it matters our initial strategies and tactics from that first two company officer to that battalion chief, uh, arriving. Um, it matters how quickly we extinguish. It matters how quickly we occupy the structure it matters, how quickly we search it matters, how quickly we ventilate all those things matter because it's the time we, we can't get it back. Right. So, so how do you, how do you get the time curve on your, in your benefit? It's in preparation. It's that mindset going in and that's that mindset of preparing on the training ground, preparing in your battalions, preparing in your station so that you're all on that same page. So when the, when the, the bell rings, you're ready to go. So, Amen. Um, yeah. I like how, I like chief, how you talk about your, uh, your fire rescue protocols. Um, and, and then how you also said you're not a micromanaging organization. And I think that's, that's really, really important. I think um, most of us who have worked in the EMS side of the fire service, I'm a paramedic, been a paramedic for a long time, have always worked yep. under protocols. I mean, paramedic protocols in the Denver metro area were, were a massive book. Um, totally. But I never felt micromanaged. You know, they were just very clear expectations, if then decision making, and they were really just just guidance. Um, but like, you know, that's, that's how you have a single medical director for, for thousands of paramedics is, is through that Avenue. He doesn't have to constantly check up on you. He just does QI, QA. And I, I think, um, I think there's a lot of us in the fire service that, that, that don't recognize the difference between clear expectations and, and, and protocol driven, uh, decision-making, uh, and micromanagement. They feel that they're one and the same. Can you just expand a little bit more on that? Because I, I think that's an important topic. Yeah, yeah, no, I, th I think that's great. So, you know, as I, as, I, as I dive into this, right, task, purpose, end state, right? That's, that's really, truly leader's intent. And um, if, if your people, if you, if you have people with the right mindset, right, that come in, um, if, if you have somebody that you're micro, I'm, I'm all over the board here. Let me back up with, <laughs> with the Managing aspect, right? To to answer your question, because I tend to get going, Brian. You know, <laughs> about me, we start talking, and I'm 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 all over the board sometimes. Um, but you know, when I look at at micromanaging, right? Like, there's something that is so fulfilling about being able to be empowered to do your job, right? There's ownership that takes into that, right? And and if you look at the good teams across uh, history, right? There's individual ownership, right? So it goes back to the protocols. There's ownership in those protocols. There's a belief in those protocols. Our FRPs, there's a belief in our FRPs. Our FRPs didn't just, they didn't come from me. They didn't come from the ops chief. They came from all of us, from the ground level up, right? Um, one of the things that's really, really important, I feel like, is you have, uh, it's, a, it's a philosophy, business philosophy that I, I really started grabbing onto. It's the insurgent culture versus a, a incumbent culture, right? And the insurgent culture is, is at war with mediocrity. They're trying to prove status quo, right? And and so a lot of our fire rescue protocols have come from that, that, that kind of mentality of be, being at war with mediocrity, trying to prove status quo, but not to be combative, not to be um, controversial, 
but because we believe that we owe it to each other to be better. IFSTA is dedicated to updating firefighting techniques and safety through the creation of our manuals, apps, curriculum, resource one, and more. Our high-quality, technically accurate, and affordable training and education materials have made us a worldwide leader of the fire service. Visit us at ifsta.org for more information. Than we were the day before. We owe it to the public to be better than we were the day before. So our, our protocols for us, those have been those have been tried and proved, right? And so there's a belief from our people. So when there's that belief from our people in the protocols, then then they care for that mission, right? And so there's really not a need to micromanage. Our people believe in it. They follow it. Um, you know, if you if you if you're running that micromanaging style organization, a siloed organization, or that top down hierarchical uh, style uh, that's traditionally in the fire service, I'm a, I'm a firm believer what you what you create are robots, and we don't want to create robots. We want thinking firefighters, and and that's where I feel like clear deciphered protocols i.e. if you like throwing the EMS protocols into our fire rescue protocols, it's structured the same exact way, brush, yeah. right? Um, I mean, you've seen them. Um, and and having clear clear protocols that have that clear leader's intent, but gives that, that opportunity for that firefighter or that captain or that lieutenant to think because the fire ground that we face, uh, it's it's not cookie cutter, right? The, the, there's, there's one commonality between uh, most emergencies, right? And I see there's somebody's life's on the line or there's fire, but the dynamics behind it, they're different, right? So you can't, you can't paint your people into a, into a, uh, into a box, so to speak, right? You, you set the bumpers, mm -hmm. right? And you let them go. And so, uh, I don't know if I answered your question. I, I think I did a lot more rambling than answering your question. Uh, I fell but, with you all over. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, uh, but and and to be honest, in the converse, in 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 the rambling that I just went through, I I, I kind of forgot what the original question was. So um, we were talking about micromanaging clear protocols, and what was the other piece of that? Yeah, uh, the action was: Are you the asked question was: Are you gluten free? That was the question. <laughs> Am I gluten free? Yeah, you just, uh, just kind of went, <laughs> and I just went off on a tangent. It's I went from gluten free to dairy free. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, brush. I I went off on a little tangent, buddy. Would you? What, can we circle me back on no, what, we're, what exactly? We're, we're good. It's, it's, uh, I mean, that's, I guess it's kind of the, the, the as long as you set clear expectations, you, you're allowing them freedom to act within those expectations, you know, and that's, yeah. and that's how you, you know, you, you both agree to it and, and, and set them, as you said, as a, as a, almost like a contract, you know, here's what I expect. You, you yes. clearly understand it. You've, you've participated in this decision-making process. All right, let's go forward. Whereas, uh, you know, the lack of expectations, you only meet them by chance, you know, if you don't know them. So that that yeah. leads to the micromanagement, the con the constant uh, tendency to, well, this is what I need, and you didn't do this. So I I, uh, I do think I think it's there's a lot of resistance to clear protocols, and uh, you know we've even seen it with NFPA 1700. There was this sure. massive concern about what 1700 was going to be, and they're going to tell us to, how to run our fire ground and really just outlines best practices. You know, ultimately the, the person right. on the scene is, is, is the one who's having to make that decision, but we're going to set forth uh, clear expectations of best practices. So, and, you know, back to the NIOSH five, I mean, chief, I, you know, I, some of the reduction in a lot of the incidents we go to is, is because 20 years ago, there, there wasn't as common practices. There wasn't as many best practices. And I think that 
what we've learned from and evidence-based stuff working its way into the fire service, uh, there, there is a lot more uh, policy, procedure, and protocol in the fire service for fire ground activities today than there ever has been. And um, that was a, a, a big NIOSH 5 issue in the past. Um, but uh, Chief, I, I yeah. got a follow-up question, but I know Chief Castros is kind of itching to jump in on some no. leaders in 10 or something. But... No, no, go ahead. Can I dive back just for one yes, second? Sir. Just dive back on, just to, to dive a little bit deeper. Um, you know, I, I think it's that evidence-based decision-making process, right? I think that's crucial, right? If you look at um, a, a lot of what was, uh, we were using NIFRS, right, uh, to, to grab some of our data. And that's, that's good. I'm not trying to slam anything, but but like, I'm just a small plug for the firefighter rescue survey, right? Um, there are, there's some really good quantifiable data that's coming from that, that we all kind of knew, right? Growing up in the fire service, but we're actually seeing it in context, mm. right? We're actually seeing this quantifiable data uh, that's coming from it. And, and that's helping to help drive those decisions, right? And it's not only the, uh, with that quantifiable data, but it's also getting outside of our silos, mm -hmm. right? So much, so often as fire departments, we silo up. We think we just know the best uh, course of action. But when you get outside of yourself, that's when you really start to see how other people are being successful and you start creating that synergism to where you start really start moving not only your organization, but other organizations forward and in turn, it's making the fire service better. So, you know, like specifically the two things that you guys are doing on a day to day, man, it's, it's game changers for the fire service. So, sorry. Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years. Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of enforced technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit TenkataFabrics.com slash Flex 7. Oh, no problem. So how, I guess, uh, you know, and again, back to that fire district uh, process. So Clack Fire, uh, you guys creating this good culture, there's these great practices, um, but you do interact with a lot of different agencies. You're, you're um, I mean, I, I know from that area and having worked in, in fire districts before, there's, there's consolidation all the time, you know, I'm in your in yeah. your process of culture development um, at District One, you're, you're you're taking on agencies, you're interacting with other agencies. How um, how do you handle that, or is it just kind of a, a, a passing on to your BCs that hey, you, you, sometimes you may just be the substitute teacher. You have to go with what the playbook is, but um, you know, keep keeping that that tempo with your own employees. <clears throat> yeah, it's a great question. I'll, I'll, let me start off with the the external part, if if that's all right. So I think so much of this is, is it, it kind of goes back to each individual uh, why for each fire chief, right? Um, or or leaders leadership within the organization. Um, I'm 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 a big believer, and it, it comes from just life experience. Uh, before I got into the fire service, um, I'm a firm believer in teams. I'm a firm believer that that individuals can do good things, but teams can do great things, right? And so unifying and uniting is is really something that we that we hyper focus on as as an organization and and as a fire chief pride and ego is the down the downfall to to the fire service it's the downfall to us as human beings and so um i i think that the relationship that we have uh currently with our with our neighbors of, with portland fire with Tualatin valley fire um with gresham fire with all the agencies that are around us with the forest service 
Um, it's been one of, of humility and not walking in like you know it all, right? And, and, and it's amazing what that does when you start developing relationships with your partners and when you start trying to unite um, and, and you start uniting in that common cause together. And so what that does is that breaks down those silos, Brush, in my opinion. Um, and, and if we focus on uniting versus dividing, understanding we have the same mission here and we're, all, we're in this together as, as one for the same cause, then that starts opening up the door to maybe how, how we are responding on the fire ground that, that makes our, our partners a little bit uncomfortable or, or how they're responding that, that makes us a little bit uncomfortable. And then having those, those conversations together, it's amazing. Our, our ops group with uh, meets, uh, we were meeting weekly there for a while, but it's, it's every couple of weeks with our neighboring partners. Um, and so we, we talk everything from uh, uh, operational FRPs to uh, just the day-to-day grind of things, but but it's that it's those relationship building that that helps us to when we arrive on scene and something's off off base between our BCs that they go up and they have the conversation and they ask what's going on, why this is what I'm seeing, why did we do it that way? We have hot washes after every single incident. Doesn't matter if we're in Portland or doesn't matter if we're here. It doesn't matter if we're in Tualatin Valley. We rally up the troops and and we talk about the incident. Um, we just had that uh, a fire on 99 where we had Portland fire and Tualatin Valley fire, and we circled up as soon as uh, we were de-escalating the incident and talked about it, what went well, what didn't go well. It's things like that that, uh, that help and they, they help uh, break down the barriers and, and they help us to operationally and strategically progress in the fire service, in my opinion, um, internally. So internally, it's much of the same thing. We're not, you know, I don't want to come off like we're this, this perfect organization. Um, we have amazing people, but we're still flawed human beings. Um, and, but, but the focus for me as a fire chief is uniting versus dividing. And I, and I, I know that we're not there yet. Um, but we strive in day in and day out to get there as a team. Um, we've had so many bumps and bruises, um, throughout the history of this organization. Um, we've stumbled and we've fall fallen. We have blood, sweat, and tears to get to where we're at, but I'm, I'm firmly believe that through those adversities, through, through getting it wrong, um, it helps us to grow and become who we're meant to become. And, and so, you know, it, it makes it in the end all worth it. Um, and I, I think it's, it's shaped really truthfully where we are in our culture internally, which is really kind of maintaining that focus on how my actions and what I do, how that affects the brother and the sister to my right and left. Um, how me as the fire chief, how, how my actions affect the brand new recruit that's in the academy that we have today. Um, and, and I really, I, I just, to simply put it, brother, I think it's, it's, it's uniting versus dividing, bro. I think that's how we, that's how we break down those barriers with our neighboring partners. Um, and, and it's how we do it with each other. I mean, we have our, we have our freaking ups and downs in this organization. I almost dropped an F-bomb. I apologize. <laughs> I don't know why. That came out. Um, but, uh, uh, I owe you a cherry Pepsi, Anthony. Sorry about that. It almost came out, but it didn't. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think that the simplest form, that's what it is. It's, it's uniting. I think that's what, what helps uh, bridge the gap between our, our regional partners as well as our internal partners inside the organization. Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. 
To get free grant assistance, visit magnagrip.com. I'm taking I'm taking copious notes on what you're saying here. You put on a clinic right now. This is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, whatever. So, whatever. Whatever, man. So you mentioned Twelfth and Valley. We we shameless plug. We had the, the honor and privilege of teaching Calm the Chaos training the trainer yeah. to them a few years ago. Um, we're coming up to your shop, I think, next year at some point. Yes. Um, and it's a privilege, but but what you just said, it does echo through Twelfth and Valley. You do see the same level of professionalism. I mean, when I when we did our training there, it was like, whoa. Yeah. Talk about professional, talk about all in, you know. And and to, to hear that you have a have a regional synergy with each other is really um it's heartening for for us to hear because you don't see that all the time. You know, yeah. where I came from, um, you know, when we first when I first started in Sacramento, um over 30 years ago, this was this was very divided, a very divided region, like much of the country, like much of the state. And I mean, I remember one time we had a we had a literally a barn fire in and it was in Sacramento City's jurisdiction. And we pulled up and it was it was on the border. And because it was just inside the city, our battalion chief ordered us, this is over 30 years ago, ordered us to stage and watch it burn because it wasn't ours. Oh man. And I'm like, and I and yeah. Back then, you just did what you were told. Yeah. Then the Abbott of the Urban Search and Rescue Team, Task Force 7, the FEMA team that we had, that was like the first thing that broke the walls down. And so all of a sudden, we started we started cross-pollinating a little bit and getting to know each other. And like you realize, oh, you're more alike than different. And then we went to a boundary drops uh, where now you're just taking the closest rig. Now the same yep. dispatch center. Now the same, the same shift schedule. And before you know it, man... By the time, you know, 25 years later, I'm a battalion chief and I've got city companies coming to my fires as often as mine practically. And it was very seamless. Yeah. Um, and you said something I really love that I wrote down about uniting versus dividing. Yeah. Do you think, you know, I think we, I think we naturally in the fire service, we naturally divide. That, that's just yeah, we do. human nature, right? A yeah. shift, B shift, C shift. The refrigerators are separate. The truck, the engine, you know, the, the rescue, <laughs> the medic, whatever. You know, you're, you're the pro vertical vent or anti vertical vent. So we just divide everywhere yep. we can. It's just our nature. So uh, shift schedules, whatever. East Coast, West Coast, you name it. <laughs> so it's almost like you have to work twice as hard to unite because there's such a natural yep. inertia and tendency to divide. It's yeah. just, so you have to overcome what's already there and then to, to propel into actually unifying a group or, or a region, you have to work that much harder just to get past the, the norm of the division. that's just so part of our culture. And how have you guys done that um, both internally and externally? What, what are like specific steps? Like you said, you have a regional operations group, for example, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to get, I'm going to get a little uh, uh, emotional here. Not emotional. I'm, I don't think I'll cry. It might happen. Brush. <laughs> I might cry, and he might have to call me and 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 uh, and make me feel a little better. But um, I think first and foremost, um, you are spot on that uniting is it takes twice the energy than than dividing does. Um, it's that natural, it's that natural intrinsic thing that all human beings have, like you said. But I think for us, really, it's the hyper focus on two things: it's love, and it's hope. And I think those are the two things that um, that truly help to unite people. Um, it's almost a, like a law of physics thing, right? If you if uh, light and darkness, they can't occupy the same space, right? Anywhere you, you go into a, a bedroom that's dark, you flip on the light, 
darkness goes away. And I, I feel like hope and love is what is what uh, is what breaks down those barriers. It, it's what unifies us um, versus dividing us. And and that's not easy to do because um, you got to be genuine in it. You have to be genuine in, in, in having that, that true love and, and, and empathy for each other and understanding for each other and listening to each other. Um, but I, I think that that is, uh, on a, on an emotional sense, that is, that's what it, what it takes to unite now on a, on a tangible, actionable items. I think it's the elimination of pride and ego. It's the elimination of understanding that just because you're the fire chief of the second biggest, or, uh, uh, fire district in the state of Oregon. You don't know it all. I don't, you know, and I'll be the first to admit that. Um, but so often people get into positions of, of of perceived power or authority and they think that they have to put up this front that they know it all. And I, I just, I just don't, yeah. um, I know, I, I know, I don't know it all. I know that we're going to go 35 years in this career, 40 years in this career. We're going to know the tip of the iceberg. So I think there's a sense of, of having some humility there, um, that, that helps to, to unite. And so it's forming those work groups. Um, and, and getting together, breaking down those barriers and, and saying, Hey, this is where we screwed up. Right. How about you guys? Have you guys faced this and that it really was kind of a, an, an organic way with TBF and R and us initially. Uh-huh. And now it's, it's starting to expand. Um, Love it. And so, but it was, it was organic, uh, with, with, uh, chief Kenny Frenchess, uh, when I was the office chief with him. Um, and it was actually a predecessor of mine, uh, chief Corliss that, that kind of started that piece and, and, and it's been, it's been, it's been freaking amazing. So you've been able to build Uh, upon what your predecessors did. Bingo. Bingo. And that's nice because so often we have to overcome what our predecessors did instead of build upon what our predecessors did. So that's that's nice to hear that you're in that position. Let's uh, let's go through that uncomfort of reaching out. That's really truly what it is, right? It's as simple as that. It's reaching out. It's getting over yourself and, and reaching out, picking up the phone and saying, Hey, we need, we've got some, we need to meet. Right. Right curbing your pride and ego. So love it. Those are, those are really kind of the action items. I mean, I know that's not this, this, uh, great aha thing of this is what to do, but I break well, it down to the simplest form, bro. But, but it's, I think it's, it's enlightening, not enlightening as much as inspiring for others to hear that it does work. You know, you read it in yeah. books, you hear about it on podcasts, but then, you know, you talk to somebody who's living it. Um, that it's, it's really, you know, it's everything you learn in kindergarten, right? Please thank you. And I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know, totally, it's manners. It's it's human stuff. So let's yeah. let's switch into the into the rescue. And this one, you and Brian just go crazy. I'm gonna go make some popcorn and, yeah. pop and listen. <laughs> I love it because I was just I was I was slack jawed at how many rescues you guys get. Yeah. Um, I, and it's not because of where you are or the size of your organization. It's just you just don't. It was just it was really fun to hear how much work you're getting. And how much success you're having with rescues, and how uh, fired up your troops are about it, yeah. um, and it's just you see, you see your face just light up. See, it's just it's, you know, and uh, so so go talk about that with 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 Brian, and I'll just sit back and watch. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, Brush, you want me just to kind of go, and then you slam me upside the head a little bit? Well, you know, I, I think that this is a this is like an important part because it's. Uh, I mean, back back up a little bit because I I I don't know how many people turn tuned out when you just said it's about love and hope, you know? Uh, yeah, no, I can guarantee you that, bro. Guarantee but, uh, you that. It's, it's, it's not like you guys just, you know, uh, throw out the yoga mats and have yo- love and hope in that way no, in, at every meeting, but it, it's about love for what you do and, and a hope that what you do makes a difference. And so, I mean, there doesn't always have to be someone else in this love and hope relationship. And 
you know, I love what I do. I, I hope that what we do makes a difference. And I think that that to this rescue thing to kind of lead into it is, is success exists everywhere. You know, uh, we are really, really very much a successful uh, fire service in a lot of ways. We, we are saving people. We are taking better care of ourselves. We are managing a lot more things. And, and just like we talk, you know, about dividing is easier than, uh, than uniting. It's the same. It's way easier to highlight failures and problems and all this type of stuff. I mean, that's why there's so many complainers is because complaining is easy. Um, but the, the simple fact is we there is a lot of rescues going on. Uh, you guys uh, are the ones who are highlighting it. You're highlighting organizational success. You're highlighting that that love for the job and, 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 and hope that that masking up a little bit faster is going to make a difference and, and having apparatus that are that are dry that that aren't going to be distracted from deploying hose lines so they can go straight to the rescue i mean there's there's just so much here that w that when we do bring the light to it when we do highlight it when we do encourage it and empower it uh it, it does build to greater success and i mean i know we all look back 20 years ago and think man were we really making this many rescues 20 years ago honestly we don't know um and I, I hope that we get to a point where we have 20 years of data and we can say, yes, we are making more rescues. But right now we're we're just flipping the switch on on organizational success and it makes people feel feel better about their what what they're doing. And um, I mean, I, I think that that's a big part of, of what you guys have done is said this is the goal, you know, and, and, and yeah. look how think of how hard it is on us when we lose somebody. We should be filling ourselves up with with that pride and 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 love and hope that we get when we do save somebody, be it a, an EMS uh, arrest or a, or a working structure fire. So now I'll let you take it away. But it's just uh, celebrate successes, however small the wins are, and 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 that will that will push you forward. So yeah, no, I, I appreciate you saying that. You know, I I, um, I think it's a focusing brush, right? Like. Mm -hmm. I, I remember when I started the 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 fire service. Um, you know, when you, you you're about you're 23 in, right? 24 in. Yeah, in career. Yep, yep. Yeah. So you got you have me by uh, by two years, right? And so, but when we started, um, you know, I don't I don't know. My, in my organization, there was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, rescue profiling talk, right? Or there's nobody alive in there. And so our focus search was getting assigned fourth, fifth. Yeah. Um, survivability, you know, it, profile. yeah. survivability profiling, all, all of those things, which, um, you know, it, now, now don't get me wrong when I'm going to say this. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but we started to put the focus on ourselves versus who we sworn an oath to protect right now. Now I say that when we are more protected now than we ever have been in, in the fire service, as far as our turnout gear and how much heat we can take and all of those things. And I'm not, uh, uh, condoning here to go in and be stupid. That's not what I'm saying. But but we we definitely in our organization when I first got into this organization that was definitely the focus, right? And and really I, I'm just going to get a little bit personal here. Um, it, I'm going to throw three names at you: Wani, Apollo, and Ledoux. Okay. Now Apollo's five or was five, and Ledoux was four, and Wani was two. And uh, Wani uh, made it out of this two-story apartment of a fire that we had, and, and Apollo and Ladue did not. And um, that's, I'm sorry, um, that's that one incident that you get that really starts to change the culture of an organization. Um, we were an organization that we assigned search fourth or fifth. Um, 
and uh, we our hose package, our extinguish our extinguishment package, uh, flat sucked. Uh, we we're flowing 75 gallons a minute, not realizing it. Um, our our topside culture wasn't wasn't the best, and our surge culture wasn't the best. And and those three names right there are names that started to have us um, at prove status quo, starting to look at at our operation. And um, and and our focus was was back then was just oh we don't find victims right you never find victims um and and that that fire right there is what flipped us as an organization and and we started looking at ourselves and we started looking at our operations and then we started to look and get outside of ourselves um and recognizing that we siloed up as an organization and so it wasn't the fault of anybody specifically right it's this is, it's a reoccurring theme throughout the fire service is everybody silos up um we had amazing talent. We had amazing people. It's the same people that exist currently, but we just siloed up and we didn't know what we didn't know. And so getting outside of, of yourself and, and letting go of the pride and ego and, and reaching out and seeing how other places did it really started to shape um, uh, uh, where we are today. And then and then to piggyback on top of that, it's really starting to flip the focus and 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 why why do we track how many civilians we've lost? Why do we track how much buildings damage was lost? How, how about buildings saved and how about lives saved, right? And so that's where that, that focus started to shift for us internally. It was starting to ask why and starting to ask questions and starting to look at ourselves and how we operated. And, and it morphed into, and this is not an overnight thing. This has been a 10-year process, but it's morphed into what it is today where now that's the expectation. We expect you. We commit to the to the public that we are going to occupy the interior of the structure. That's what we, that's what we promise you that we are going to do, right? And and so um, and it's and it's utilizing still the NIOSH five. We don't we don't send people blindly into a, a, a building that's that's completely falling down. You know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that the three alarm fire we had here in, here in a little bit, if that's all right, because um, it's a specific example of of where we we utilize our risk benefit analysis. Um, but that's, that's really brush for, for us. It was a focus shift. It was a mindset, mindset shift. And, um, and it was specific to a couple instances that we had that, that we were not successful, that, uh, that, that we, we failed in our mission and, and that, that really helped, helped us to, to look at ourselves, um, and, and look at each other and, and realize that there was so much more we could do. And it's, and it's built to where we are, we are now. And it's using things like the firefighter rescue survey, that's quantifiable data that helps us to align uh, uh, our mindset as we're going into, into incidents. Um, and I think if you look at it nationwide, I think that's why we're seeing the successes we are. It's because we've had a, a shift nationwide into a little bit of a different mindset. And, and a little bit more of a focus on expecting vic expecting victims versus I'm never going to make a grab, right? I remember coming in the service, as I'm sure you did, Brush, mm -hmm. and probably you, you as well, uh, Chief Castros, right? Like, um, it's, it's, you're never going to, you'll go your whole career without making a grab. That's literally the senior guy as when I was on probation, that's what was said to me on probation, right? And, and so it's just, it's, it's not a reality. If you, if you don't, if you don't vision it, if you don't expect it, then you're going to miss. And so now we expect it. That's excellent. I really appreciate you sharing that story about that fire that, that, that really was, sounds like was the uh, linchpin of this whole 
enterprise and shift in your department because for me it was in 2006 i was a battalion chief for one year and we had a triple fatal i was the ic of a apartment fire with two children and their dad and we lost all three of them and, and that one that sticks with the rest of your life it's it's a not just a career changing fire it's a life changing fire and it's what it's what caused us to embark upon the entire enterprise of, of building a command training center, changing our SOGs and, and researching from outside of ourselves, like you mentioned so well, to rebuild our entire mindset towards the fire ground and towards command and towards victims. Um, and then we had a second shot at it as on El Camino. And, that, and after four years of all that hard work, we had a chance to, to apply what we learned in a very similar scenario, which was un, uncanny. Um, and so thanks for sharing that because that's that's the hard work that gets done and what we want and hope uh as we as we get to the level you are brian is that as you're at that level of your career that you can pass on that wisdom you can pass on that passion that you experienced so viscerally you were there and you get emotional about it can you pass on the same passion to somebody who wasn't even in the fire service at the time you know 10 years later 15 years later light a fire under their butt to continue the work that you've done to continue to save lives. That's, that's, that's the magic sauce. And you guys are that's doing it. That's, that's what you guys are doing it. And so that's just beautiful. So I appreciate you. you saying that, but the reality is, is we look, we look at the guys like you two and that's, what's helped drive it as well. Right? Like I can't tell you how many people in our organization have watched that El Camino fire. I, I think I've watched that thing thousands of times because in my preparation of becoming a company officer, right? um seeing what chief brush does and, and what you you guys do it's it's making the fire service better and so i appreciate you saying that and highlighting clackamas fire um but the reality of it is is this is all of us uh we're all in this together and it's and it's it's uh it's some synergism that has happened between mcwilliams and, and chief brush getting together and talking right or or uh or or ted willard chief battalion chief ted willard and you uh, Chief Castro's talking, right? So I mean, there's just all of these things. Like it's, it's a, it's, it's getting outside of ourselves. That's how you get better. And, well, you, you mentioned two things, Chief. You mentioned your faith, which we all yeah. appreciate. And yeah. You mentioned service, and yeah. and those things, those things go hand in hand. They're yep. they're hand in glove, and um, there's no higher calling, like you mentioned, right? And there's no, I mean, when you're when you're doing what God created you to do which in our case is save lives. Some people it's right. to serve uh, through through healthcare. Some it's to lead in, in a business setting, whatever God made you to do. When you know in your heart, you're serving the people around you, you're making their lives better. Um, it's a wonderful feeling. And when you're able to do it like we do, it's 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 crazy that we get we get paid to do this. It's insane. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And I, I think it's a very important, you know, talk about uh, it is motivating to know that we save things. And I think that that's a that's a really important part of our future. You know, I, I'm a training chief and recruiting is, is part of my job. Um, I have a, a young son who's getting interested in the fire service. And, uh, you know, most recently we were we were at a, a Votech Fire Academy graduation and the students are encouraged to ask chiefs questions about the fire service and what they're getting into. And. And then we had the opportunity to ask him a question. And I asked the recruits, I said, so, uh, you know, we know why you guys are here, but how come there isn't five more of your friends here? You know, and, and, and where, right. where is 10 more of your classmates? What are, What is keeping firefighters or, or keeping your peers out of the fire service? 
And uh, each one of them responded with, uh, they don't think they can handle what they're seeing. Uh, they're concerned about cancer and what you guys are exposed to. It's dangerous. So, um, you know, the things that drew us to the fire service, you know, 20 years ago may not be the top billing that it is today. And, uh, you know, I, I get that. I mean, the purpose of life is, is, is a purpose. And if you're, if we think that it's avoiding danger and avoiding cancer and, and potential, like there's, there is too much of highlighting the impacts of the fire service in, in the negative ways and not the positive ways in which the fire service impacts the public. And it, that goes back to, you know, ask not what the fire service can do to you, but what you can do for the fire service. So right. um, I, I think, and I'm hopeful that, that like you're talking about chief, uh, we are safer than we ever have been. Um, and, and we need to kind of say that like what, what we have done and the, the interventions we've done have made us safer. The things we're learning yeah. and training have made us more effective. Um, we, we have tools, ALS, to, to provide con continuous care and, and get people back. We are, we are at a point where the fire service truly has the potential to save more lives and, and protect more firefighters than ever. And I, I think we do have to uh, really embrace and, and amplify that, that paradigm shift, not just for the people in our organizations now, but um, for those who were trying to draw into it, uh, come to work here because you're going to make a difference, not a uh, come to work here and, and hope that you, you make it out 25 years from now. Um, so I, I, I don't know if that's a little bit too much of a tangent, but uh, we're, we're, we're no, doing buddy, great I, things. So. Yeah, dude, I, I love that. It got me into like, I, I love what you said. It goes back to like, you know um, I'm an ICS purist, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not very good at it, but I'm an ICS purist. And, um, and I am a fire service purist, right? And why we exist is to save lives, mm -hmm. plain and simple, whether that's a cardiac arrest or somebody's trapped in a structure fire. And I think that there's been a little bit of mission drift in the fire service. We need to start getting back into the core of why we're here. And I think that once we do that as, as well as educating the next generation on how we're safer, on what the, the positive impact you can have, I think you're going to see your son having five of his friends coming. And by the way, we're testing for the future son. Okay. Let's get him on yeah, over here. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's, you know, uh, I love that you said that. I love that you said that. Well, should we get to actually commanding incidents, uh, Chief yeah. Casper? Do you want to talk about the, uh, some of the incidents? Because, uh, I mean, Chief Castro, you've worked with uh, with uh, Chief Brown's uh, battalion chiefs at a at a command uh, training. You guys, was that the Fresno one, or was one in California? They flew down to. Yeah, they, they still, okay. Fern County, yeah. Mm -hmm. Fern County, yeah. Yeah, they came and yep. it was great. And um, you know, I think I'm not sure if if um, Phoenix preceded that or that preceded Phoenix, but. Um, Phoenix preceded that. So the, the guys came down to you about six months prior. I think it was right. the summer. And then we were in February in Phoenix, right? Yeah, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, and again, you know, um, it's it's very rare to find a leader like like Chief Brown who, who really understands leader's intent. It's not just a punchline. You say it in the speech and then walk off and take a nap. Yeah, <laughs> leader's intent is the culmination that to have a, a, a culture, a mission-driven culture, a leader's intent with that kind of ownership is the culmination of a hell of a lot of hard work before, before an event ever happens, whether it's a call or a structure fire or a rescue or a cardiac arrest or before we interact with the public. There's a lot of work that goes into it to where you can actually say those things and it actually works and it matters and, and the troops are going out. Yeah, that's how it is. 
Um, otherwise, it's just lip service. I've seen it. I've seen it be lip service uh, where people like to use punchlines and buzzwords. But they don't know how to put the work in to create that environment that, that we saw at these two workshops with your battalion chiefs and your troops, where they know their job. They're they're fired up. They own it. They know their SOGs. They're they're all in. Um, but they also know that they're empowered to make decisions, and it's not about being perfect. It's about it's about accomplishing the mission and serving. And if they make mistakes, so be it. We'll learn from it. But they're not going to let that stop them from making a decision. And that is what's so nice to see from the top down. Um, and obviously, you were you were uh, you know uh, were able to build on what your predecessors did to kind of get you guys to the next level, which is so obvious. So let's talk about some of these fires you've had recently. You've had a heck of a lot of dynamic activity recently and i want to hear yeah. tell our tell our listeners you know what yeah. what you've had how how it worked lessons learned and, and how kind of this mission driven uh culture uh we call it mission command um really came to fruition and, and and manifested itself in these incidents i love that um you know it, it's been a busy it was a busy september for us and it's and it's turning out to be a busy october for for us as well um you know we've had um in the last 40 days we've had 28 structure fires um and so we've been we've been moving and shaking and some of those have haven't um they've been been pretty pretty uh, trying for some of our incident commanders as well we had a um uh, it, it all kind of started off with the camp creek fire which was about a mile and a half outside of our fire district um we threw the threw the army at it because we wanted to keep it out of the fire district right uh, i was approaching the uh, the community of, of sandy um, and, and so that was a 2000 acre, uh, wildfire in the, in the watershed. Now, what was complex about this incident specifically is it is not only was it, was it a, a, a forest fire, but it was, uh, approaching the, uh, the, the water supply for the city of Portland, um, uh, which is about a, a million people that, that it services. And then about, uh, uh, 25% of the city of Sandy's water supply came from there. So there's a lot of infrastructure there that uh, high valued uh, infrastructure that, that was big concern to the to our all of, all of our communities and the cities and, and a lot of uh, political figures. Right. So you had you not only had the dynamics of of running an incident um, and, and it was in the federal federal land. So you had uh, the Forest Service and us. And it goes back to what we talked about, those relationships and and, and building those relationships to where when when uh, my division chief of wildland shows up he knows who the forest service guy that's running the fire is and there's just that that immerse of 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 resources that are on the same page um and so but but getting into it a little bit deeper right like you not only had the complexity of that incident um uh managing aircraft uh you but you also had the bureaucracy and the political atmosphere that you had to deal with as well so really uh, spooling up the incident management teams and and running true ICS to keep um, a lot of the the political fears that were uh, in exi existing and keeping those at bay, right? Because you know how it is, fear and fear driven decision making is horrible. Yeah, but the other thing it's is a contradiction in terms, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, uh, the uh, the divisiveness. Uh, the only thing that's worse than divisive is, is fear, right? And the fear in the community that exists with those things. So staying staying ahead of it with communication, um, and and really establishing that liaison role, and and getting our PIOs on point, um, so that people have facts versus 
what they're seeing and what they believe is happening or hearing from other people. So, um, you know, it wasn't just as easy as running a, a 2000 acre acre uh, fire. Right. You had right. all these other dynamics into it that, that really um, pushed us. And then it's unifying our incident management team with the forest service incident management team, which then went to a federal type one team. Nice. And so, uh, so, so you had an EOC going, we had an EOC going, it was, it was just firing on all cylinders, nice. um, the tying in the County and the state setting up our management action points. So you had the fed fire, but then you also involved the Oregon department of forestry as well as, uh, Oregon state fire marshal. And so having everybody tying in everybody and getting everybody on the same page based on trigger points or management action points was, uh, was crucial. And it, it just, uh, I couldn't have been prouder of our people. I couldn't have been prou prouder of the forest service and I couldn't be prouder of the state because it really yeah. showed what, what, you know, getting on the same page and uniting looks and, like. And, that, and, and, and it, that doesn't happen every day in Oregon, that, no, that it's, level of complexity and unified command. Doesn't. Does it? No, it doesn't. So 2020 is really, you know, if you, if you, as a, as a region, we've been very complacent as far as that, right. You growing up in California, uh, it's kind of a norm, right? Especially in the Northern oh, California, you you would you would have that. In Oregon, um, we've been mostly wet most of the time, right? And my whole yeah. entire career here in Oregon, it's 2020. It's it's just breached the the west west uh, the Cascades, and so yeah. now it's happening on yeah. on a more frequent basis. Yeah. And so we're just trying to get ahead of that of that uh, of that curve. And, and it, it sounds like sounds like you guys handled it beautifully. We we uh and I think you know this, but for those who don't, we teach a, a unified command class. It's basically a combat yeah. class, but unified command. It's called from hometown to homeland, and uh, that's a that's a FEMA course funded by uh, FEMA and UASI and all that. We've done it all over the country, and um, we actually did it twice. You have to for text me that. Text me that course. I will. We've, okay. we've done it twice for Las Vegas, Clark County, and, and their partners, and we did it about six months before the Mandalay Bay shooting. Yeah. And they, they found they were really to their credit that that region, you know, like you, it's Las Vegas, what's going to burn, you know? Um, but, but they had that Mandalay Bay shooting and they were ready for something on that level because of the active shooter, uh, trends, unfortunately in the country. And they were really ahead of the curve. So when we did our class, we had 50 people in the class from law enforcement and fire from county and city, so EOC awesome. people, everybody that was, that would are, been part of a large incident. And sure enough, that was just one of many things they were doing of their overall enterprise to build the unified command capability in the in the city, in the region. And sure enough, six months later, Mandalay Bay happened and it was, they did a, I mean, talk about making the best of a terrible situation. They did a magnificent yeah. job. And the, the fire chief, Greg Castle, who I think you guys were separated at birth. Um, he is, <laughs> he's, he's doing some amazing work with, with hospital area command because of the Love way that. that the mobile nature of the walking wounded going all over the city um, and not really having a, a localized focal point of an MCI. It was a very, it was a citywide mobile MCI. Um, and having to get a hold of the hospitals, um, he's actually created curriculum and written about it. And he's he's uh, one of our newest instructors. We asked him to come board on our team to help teach this class Sweet. and lend his incredible experience. So, um, you know, Knowing that, that that it's not something that you do every day, like down here in California, that's just that's just part of the course. Um, but it, it says a lot about your your foresight and wisdom looking ahead, like you were talking about earlier, building those relationships. So, um, didn't you have you said mentioned a three alarm job you had? Yeah, buddy. So so it went from Camp Creek to a two alarm. <laughs> we had a we had a two alarm fire uh, like a week later, 
yeah. and then I'll get, dive into the three alarm if that's all okay. right. Just because they build off of each other. Yeah, it's yeah, just like yeah. you can't make yeah. this stuff up, right? Yeah. Um, so I, first, first unit gets dispatched, single engine response initially to a veg fire, vegetation fire. Um, they start going en route. It gets upgraded to a task force assignment. Um, and then they, they make the corner and they see this freaking header. And they're like, that's not you, right? So what the, the gist of it is, um, by the time the first engine arrive, uh, arrived, which was about three minutes from the station, three and a half minutes from the station, um, it this 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 natural veg fire had extended into 80 arborvitas, um, caught a triplex on fire, uh, was in between this triplex and 80 uh, upper end cars from a, a car lot uh, that were on fire. And then was extending into a two-story apartment complex, right? That's and on so arrival. That's on arrival, right? So immediately went to a second alarm. Uh, resources got there, and they did just a heck of a job. They kept it from extending into uh, the interior of the uh, the two-story apartment. The triplex uh, was was a uh, uh, a fight, um, but the, the thing about the cars were that they were just stacked in like cordwood, uh-huh. right? So getting in there to put out the fire was was super, super tough, but we had Tualatin Valley, Portland Fire, um, and Clack Fire, obviously, on, on that. But that was a, it, it was just a, it was a lot, a, a lot to that because not only did you, again, it's throwing our BCs into not just running a fire now, getting ahead of, of uh, your, your water purveyors, DEQ, uh, the EOC, because of now you have fuel running into the waterway, all right, of those things, right? right? And, and, and understanding truly the, the complexity of, of instance, just, it's not just commanding a, a fire. There was a lot more to it. Right. So, right. um, we, we work into that. So we're like, okay, Hey, this is turning into being a, a little bit of a month. And then, um, we, we have this, this three alarm commercial fire, um, in the middle of the night. Now that what's significant about this three alarm commercial fires, this has been a, a hazard building for us for, for some time. Um, it's, uh, it's, this is the third time it caught on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a lot of, of houseless population uh, living in there. Um, the building was supposed to be demolished in April mm-hmm. uh, and kept getting pushed back based on timelines. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had had a fire in it a couple weeks prior. Mm-hmm. Um, my fire marshal wrote a letter saying, you need to either level this building or turn back on the water supplies to it. And, and so, and you need 24 hour security, right? So they right. secured the building up. Uh, uh, and the next morning after, after they kind of wrote us back saying, yep, we're, we're on it the next morning, about, about three 30 in the morning, it caught on fire again. No so kidding. we know, we know dyna- the dynamics of this building for us. Like we know that it's, it's occupied. We know it, right. Every single fire that we've gone on here has people in it that have started it on fire. Right. So we know there's people inside it's three 30 in the morning. So it got a little bit more of a head start. Most of the, the other fires have been in the afternoon. And so mm-hmm. we were able to get on top of it. So the mindset for us is, is we're going to be able to get in and get this thing out. That's kind of our, our approach in general mm-hmm. is that we're going to be able to, to extinguish this fire. The IC, um, which is uh, one of our most uh, tenured BCs, um, arrived and positioned himself as, as the heavy rescue and the engine were making entry. Heavy was going into search and, and the engine to go extinguish the fire. And, and so uh, it's a it's a, a concrete tilt and large concrete tilt. Um, and and where the main body of the fire was, was an office style that was built onto the, the tilt. 
And so the engine goes in, extinguishes the fire. They think they have the fire out. And the BC is getting on the radio saying, evacuate. Um, and and hits the hits the warble tones, right, to evacuate them. So they're sitting there looking like, what, what's going on? The fire's out. Why are we evacuating? But they didn't argue, okay? They exited the structure. And, um, and exiting the structure, they look up and they see the whole entire roof on fire, right? So... Uh, not recognizing truly what they had, um, but the BC having the courage to to understand and see those trigger points for him that this isn't right. And, and what it was for him was uh, as the heavy had forced one of the doors to get in to search the uh, the, the commercial structure, um, uh, they made an all clear. So we got a primary out of it and then they backed out. He started to see all of a sudden uh, what what was nothing coming out of that door all of a sudden you start seeing white, white smoke coming out of it. And then pretty rapidly you start seeing white change to dark. And he was just like, uh-uh, time out. Okay. So we've had condition change. This, yeah. this isn't matching. Yeah. We're pulling everybody out, especially knowing, uh, the dilapidated building that it was, yeah. uh, based on, on, on it being, uh, vacant for a couple of years, um, three fires previously. So he pulls everybody out and, and it was by the time the crews got out, the whole entire roof was on fire. So multiple starts inside the structure. Um, that uh, that weren't weren't caught on arrival because the size of the building, but it was a great sure. heads up by the BC yeah. and, and yeah. good internal fortitude yeah. to say, hey, we're not going to get this one yeah. um, back out, right? Because yeah. because that's something that we don't in our organization culturally like it's it's like a fight we don't lose. This one was going to be a loss had the BC not done what he did. Yeah, yeah. And so cool. that brought in. Uh, you know, three alarms that brought in a couple BCs from city of Portland. It brought in a couple ladder trucks from them. Um, we had 90, 98 firefighters on scene, but the next level of complexity for this was, it was an asbestos, there was asbestos, known asbestos. And uh, so, uh, so we, we get that information and, and you have the fallout from this burning, this building catching on fire and you have a, uh, an eight story apartment complex right up against it. So you had a shelter in place order for about a quarter mile then an evacuation. So that got complex. And so EOC yeah. for the, uh, for the, the third time in two weeks was getting activated. <laughs> it yeah. It, so it's, it, uh, it really is as far as you looking as you, as you talk about utilizing the, the incident command system, um, it was utilized on all three of these. I mean, it's always utilized, but I'm talking about the complexity and why it's so important to set up, set your incident up, right. This, yeah. These three incidents were the exact reason why yeah. it's important to do it right. Exactly. I hope you exactly. really take advantage of that that last one, Chief, because I mean, it's it's very rare that that you get the opportunity to have a, a strategic shift in an incident like that, and then to yeah. have it go well. You know, so uh, you know, hopefully that's one that you really uh, really do take good note on, really do share a, across the the board, because that's that. So often we learn from those in, in the in the negative outcome, um, and I know Chief Castro's does a good job of, of of talking about strategic shifts. But that that's that's a big thing, you know, to 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 pull others back and then get a whole another resource order for for a, a change of direction yeah. in the incident while it's evolving in front of you. So, man, hats off to you on that. I mean, that that is a, that is a very to to go defensive is is one thing, but then to um, restructure, reorganize, and set up for. Uh, you know, really, our, our two different fires on the same location uh, is 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 a powerful tool. So, uh, 
I mean, that, that alone would be a great one to, to mine your, your brain on as far as lessons learned, because those are, those are, those are unique situations when they go well. That'd be good. To, that'd be good to get your ICs for these last two you described um, on the shelf because they could really get into that command and tactical piece for us. I think yeah. it'd be great because, yep. because like that. Brian said, I mean, and, and it's even harder when you have an aggressive culture like yours. <laughs> So and you know, like the same people we're talking about, right? Telling them, like he was on. There's, I've got peeps that like <laughs> you're not telling me to get tied up, right? Like, but to have them step out and listen, yeah. like there was That's discipline. Yeah, but That's it was discipline. Trust for the IC and it's discipline, and that's that's <laughs> that's great. The fire ground yeah. free safety. Nothing's getting by me. That's exactly. <laughs> that's right. Wrong lot, baby. <laughs> uh, well, hey, chief. It's a, it's middle of the week. You're the fire chief of a busy, yeah. big metropolitan department. We've taken up enough of your time, but um, I can't thank you enough for for sharing not only uh, the command stuff going on, but just the cultural leadership stuff, which is all it's all part of the same organism, you know. So, yeah. thank you so much for your time. I agree. I may I have to pitch for a part two. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, I love think it. so. I think we can do a part two with some of your ICs. I love it. Let's let's do it because they're 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 great guys, and yeah. you're gonna be meeting them soon. Um, yeah. You know, so yeah, I can't thank you enough. Like for me, uh, you're two you're two individuals that that I look up to most in the fire service, and so honestly, like you called to ask me to be on it, I was I was like, what? You know? So I I can't thank you enough for for uh, thinking of me and letting me come on this and and to, to to shoot with you guys. You guys are awesome. Thank you, Chief. Thank you, Chief. Mutual. God bless you. Hey, God bless the fire service and um, yeah. everybody out there. Don't give up the fight. You know, the fight might be within yourself um, to, to overcome something troublesome that's happened, turn it into a positive. You know, we talked about a couple of experiences that were, that were sentinel events, but you can turn those into something that could be not only life changing for you or your department, but for the fire service. Um, and, and uh, just take care of yourself, your family and uh, God bless those who serve and those you serve and lead. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Seconds count when responding to an emergency. Minutes save count when documenting your day. Emergency networking makes records management easier and faster with its Fire and EMS solution. User-friendly, complete online and offline functionality, highly customizable, all at an affordable price. For more information, please visit emergencynetworking.com. IFSTA is dedicated to updating firefighting techniques and safety through the creation of our manuals, apps, curriculum, resource one, and more. Our high-quality, technically accurate, and affordable training and education materials have made us a worldwide leader of the fire service. Visit us at ifsta.org for more information. Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of Enforced Technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit TenkataFabrics.com slash Flex 7. Flex 7, powered by Enforced Technology, only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics.
Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com.